You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. This is Seattle Sports at Night with Stacy the Destroyer, Ross. Oh, coming out. with that one this time. Coming out strong. Jake, I, the quarterback heaps. I, I like it. Did you? The Destroyer? Yeah. I think it fits you, honestly. We did We did like a sample segment, and I went with Labrador Retriever. It didn't get the same response from Jake. Yeah. That, I'm not going to say crickets, but it was, it was pretty, I mean, it it was wasn't, pretty close to that. It wasn't Des- great. Destroyer, I think, is more towards your personality. but Really? I, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean, okay. everything that I know about you, Stacey, I think- Is it, that I destroy things. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, at least you it bring intimidation. And uh, and so, I mean, we're getting closer. I don't know if that's it yet, but we're getting closer. Okay, You're okay. getting warmer. Speaking of destroying, I'm trying to replicate Curtis's awful, like, transitions here. <laughs> With, <laughs> without him here, I need to help him out. That's right. He loves puns, and he loves really weird seg- segues. He so does. Here yes. we go. Uh, I actually, I did, I did want to talk about uh, what was probably the biggest story nationally and in Seattle today, which was Antonio Brown. So mm. the Steelers reportedly agreed to trade Brown to the Raiders in exchange for a 2019 third round and a fifth round pick. So this is from Bleacher Report. Brown will receive a new contract as part of the agreement that will pay out $50.12 million over the next three seasons. And his guaranteed cash has gone from zero to $30 million. Adam Schefter says the deal could increase to $54 million with incentives. And Ian Rapport says this new contract now makes Antonio Brown the NFL's highest paid receiver. This is incredible. Before you say anything, before you say anything else, okay. I've got something I've saved for you, which was Antonio Brown's first day as a Raider as captured on his Instagram. First day as a Raider, baby. Woo! First day as a Raider, baby. Hey, celebrate with me and my family right now. We at my current. We just celebrating the first day as a Raider. I love you guys, Raider Nation. Stay tuned. This is like when you're hanging out and you're having a really bad time at a party. Yeah. But then someone you hate comes in or an ex and all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> this is great. I'm having a great time and everyone loves me. See ya. Then he, this is what that is. He is doing this on another level. He is making his ex definitely feel so jealous. Je- well, is that a pool? Is that a, he's that a in? Play? I think he's in water. What a savage! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this tweet to you because it just I think it encapsulates this uh, pretty good here. This is from uh, a tweet from Jeremy Fowler. It says this really is wild. Antonio Brown skipped work, disparaged the Steelers publicly. Said he wouldn't play on a contract with three three years left, then got a raise of almost twenty million with thirty million plus in noon guaranteed. I'm gonna try Savage this. Savage power play. It is. I unbelievable, right? And and that's the thing with Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest. Is that still a thing? Is that now he's in uh, Raider Nation? That nickname is, that, is worse than my nickname. Was that only during the drama, the saga? Well, Does no, I mean there? now you could argue that he's He's like Mr. Bigger Chest. I mean, he made it work. <laughs> this guy made out. For everybody that was criticizing Antonio Brown for how he was going about things, uh, I mean, Antonio was just laughing all the way to the bank. And and he did it. And the biggest thing, the biggest middle finger of all of it was is that he was actually, actually uh, tanking his trade value. 
right? Right. If if Antonio Brown didn't say a word publicly and and Antonio Brown was on the market on the trading block, the Steelers absolutely would have gotten a first round pick and there would have been more teams on the table and maybe even the Seahawks would have been one of those teams. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers would have received, without a doubt in my mind, a first round pick. But because of the way Antonio Brown went about his business and went about handling this whole saga, he tanked his trade value to the point where the Steelers gave up a third and a fifth Round for a future hit. Hall of Famer. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, hats off to you, Antonio Brown, for getting what you wanted out of this whole situation. It, it truly is fascinating to see how this thing went down and how he was able to get a pay raise and guaranteed money. You know, me and Maura Dooley were talking about this with John Clayton earlier today, um, and my thoughts kind of changed on it. So I initially thought, I just had no thoughts. I was like, I'm just glad this saga's over. Like, I'm tired yeah. of hearing about it every day. I'm still, I mean, I can't deal with any more like subtweets and like double eye emojis and like the <laughs> thinking emojis. Like, free agency is just full of emojis that I spend too much time trying to understand. Yes. And I'm, I'm too young to not understand it. What's right. going on? But I think after talking with Mora, I, she convinced me that the Steelers lost. Without a doubt, the Steelers lost here. I agree with Maura in every aspect. Yes. And then John, speaking with both of us, kind of landed somewhere in the middle when he's like, yeah, they lost, but they had their hands tied. And I don't know if I agree with him yet. Yeah. I, I think the only way that they had their hands tied was the fact that Antonio Brown made their hands tied. Like, he was the one that forced this issue. Literally refused a trade also. Yes. They tried. Act- I believe that that Bills trade was in the works. Like, it- I don't think Rappaport was just out here making stuff up. Correct. I, I agree with it. And and that's the funny thing is, is that they, they were adamant that Antonio Brown is not going to have anything to do with this trade. And in fact, that as soon as he caught wind of it, him and Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, uh, made it very clear to the Bills that, that Antonio Brown would not show up. Uh, for them, and the thing that I'm shocked with is the Steelers is uh, one letting it get to that get to that point is letting Antonio and his agent have an opportunity to uh, make any say in this. Because mm-hmm. if I'm the Steelers, I'd be trying to make that that trade so fast without them knowing that I'm not worried about what Antonio Brown does after that. What Antonio Brown does with the Bills and and whether he decides to show up or not, I'm not worried about it. But the fact that he was able to get involved with it, shut it down, then get what he wanted out of the situation is really fascinating. Not only that, but his first year with the Raiders, he's going to be in California, Mm -hmm. and that's an insane tax bracket. But then he goes to Las Vegas where there is... A there is no income tax, and he is going to be uh, getting paid and keeping all that money. It just is, oh man. He is winning on so many levels. I know it's going to be unreal. It, frust- it frustrates me though because that's the thing. I, as a, as a person that would never do that and never handle it the way he did, it, it's frustrating to see a guy like that get rewarded in the way he did. So you know how when Kirk Cousins signed uh the whole conversation was are we going to see more guaranteed contracts did this somehow change free agency forever right do you think that this interaction changed anything forever or do you think that it's unique to ab and his relationship with the steelers and and his yeah. caliber of play i i think uh i think it's somewhat 
uh, in a, just in that bubble of AB. But I also think that the way that this played out in Le'Veon Bell and all those things, I think it directly affects the way Frank Clark looks at this situation now. I think that it empowered Frank to say, hey, look, you know, AB did it this way and he forced the hand of the Steelers to do something, mm-hmm. right? Earl, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, all these guys, they did not have the leverage that, that uh, Frank Clark has right now. Those guys were getting fined. They had nothing that they could do about it. Yep. Whereas Frank Clark, he's really the one that has a ton of leverage in this situation. He can't get fined, and the Seahawks need him uh, tremendously. Uh, they don't have anybody behind him. They don't have that youth uh, that they could that could they could develop or a veteran guy that could replace him. Um, and so Frank is using this situation, no doubt, to try and force the hand of the Seahawks to get a deal done by July fifteenth, uh, so that he can show up in time. I will say, and I know this isn't the reaction uh, that was maybe popular this morning when people were more just kind of fascinated or or maybe even offended at, at the fact that he was able to kind of control the situation. My takeaway is just selfishly that I'm very interested now to watch the Raiders and to see what happens there because For this sure. is the, maybe the best target that Derek Carr has ever had. I mean, Amari mm-hmm. Cooper was really promising, um, but obviously they shipped him out to Dallas uh, and he's he's been up and down there, but overall done well. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious because for a while there, for a season, what was this, 2016, the Raiders looked like a really promising group. Yes, they did. And, you know, John came in and he kind of blew it up. And yep. now it gets you to the point where you're almost kind of going, uh-oh, they didn't even give up a first-round pick in this trade. They still have their two first-rounders. Right. They have another round first-rounder the following year, an extra first round. And they now have Antonio Brown, uh, Brown uh, and... <laughs> They are building something pretty scary here. And it, what would be funny is if John Gruden eventually makes this whole thing work and he looks like a genius. That's the thing. The entire time we're talking about how he just doesn't get it. He wasn't able to transition. You're a yeah. great guru, but you didn't make it work and you blew up your team and you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, you give but, away one of the best uh, one of the best defensive players to ever come through the league in a exactly. long time. Yeah, Who can play the guitar. That's a really cool skill. <laughs> Not to be overlooked, but but what if in in five years or less than that, you look at the talent they've got and we think, oh man, we got bamboozled. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the Raiders got us. Yeah, the Raiders got us. John Gruden knew what he was doing. Mike Mayock knew what he was doing. I think they have that potential in the next you know two two to three years. You could see this come to fruition if it pans out right for them. And and man, that would be amazing to see but you know obviously the story is yet to be written and there's a lot that needs to happen but uh the Raiders are definitely a team that is way more interesting to watch now than they than they were before this trade coming up next we're going to be talking about the free agent departures what does the loss of Justin Coleman Mike Davis and Shamar Stefan mean for the Seahawks later we've got big if true talking about the future free agents that's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. What if the Seahawks don't retain any of their big-name free agents? That's coming up next 
at Big If True. But right now, we're going to talk about some of the free agent departures that have already happened. So a quick recap. Uh, this is all just reported. Free agency hasn't officially started. Um, but right now, it's looking like cornerback Justin Coleman will sign with the Detroit Lions, and he'll become the highest paid nickel corner in the NFL. Uh, running back Mike Davis, who is the number two back behind Chris Carson, um, and Seattle's honestly like most veteran back, maybe mm-hmm. still pretty young, but the most veteran guy in that room. Yeah, uh, he will now reportedly sign uh, with the Bears, and uh, they also just just a last minute one that kind of came up towards the end of the day is defensive tackle Shamar Stefan. Um, uh, a bit of a different player, just part of that rotation, but still notable, right? On a defensive line that doesn't have a ton of depth right now. Right. So let's get into it. Okay, let's do it. To me, the biggest impact is Justin Coleman, without a doubt. For sure. For sure. And that that's one that I think it, we evolved uh, as a group in here uh, in talking about you know priorities. We realized that you know although we were really focused on the defensive line, and to me, I still believe that that's the number one concern for the Seahawks unit uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, the safe, the secondary position is definitely right there. There are a lot of question marks. And being able to solidify uh, that nickel position, which is so important uh, and is a stable for this defense, uh, to lose Justin Coleman is a big blow. And you're now you're not going to have really a veteran presence in that secondary other than Bradley McDougald. You can't you can't say that Shaq Griffin is a, a veteran. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me Trey Flowers is a veteran. Uh, Tetra Thompson, Delano Hill. I, I don't care. They are still young guys. They're still trying to figure out their way and their game in this league and in this system. And, uh, you know, Justin Coleman, it always was going to be a long shot because we knew the value of this position was only, you know, skyrocketing and his stats increased if you look at his stats yeah like a pro football reference year over year over year he improves yes he's and, 25 years old yeah and and he he was an amazing find for the seahawks to get mm-hmm. and it was a, a fantastic trade that they got from the patriots and you knew kind of solidifying which is kind of interesting is when they signed retained akeem king you thought that Okay, maybe maybe this is a guy that could play that nickel spot. And I actually I when I was interviewing Pete Carroll on the Pete Carroll show later in the year, I had actually talked to him about Akeem King and was like, Was man, it around the Kansas City game? Yeah, it was around the Kansas City game and I said, Man, this guy actually played pretty well and he did great in that slot spot covering Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. and these other guys. And he was very quick to to assure or to say that Hey, we view Akeem King as an outside guy. You know, he did a great job for us inside, but we've we see him and value him that he could play outside. And I think that that's the guy though that they are going to try and replace Justin yeah. Coleman with is Akeem King, and that will be interesting to see how it pans out. And it again just leaves to another great hole that although although you had Akeem King show in one game that he played well doesn't mean that he can do it for an entire season covering, you know, slot guys and 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 crafty slot guys and and big physical tight ends on a week to week basis. Yeah, and it's always an open competition there too. I think when people talk about I don't know if it's partly because of the secondary the Seahawks had mm-hmm. that you had three pro bowlers and and all pros in there. Yeah. Or if it's just uh sports fandom in general that you've seen top tier players you you value and then everyone else is kind of oh he's good to have but but if not that's fine. Right. And yeah. I think that that's 
a bit of why Justin Coleman went overlooked. His stats were great. He did a great job uh, holding down that nickel corner position for Seattle. And one thing he did well that I didn't notice until this year Mm -hmm. when there were uh, a significantly younger group is how often you would see uh, maybe not a play breakdown, but you would see, uh, you know, an opposing uh, receiver or tight end just just kind of break free, get a little more space. Yeah. And the two players that were always catching up to that were number one, Bradley McDougald, mm-hmm. and number two, Justin Coleman. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times watching from CenturyLink, if you're if you're kind of looking around, and these are the things that you miss when you're watching on TV because they don't always track the secondary. Yes. But you see how many guys come in to save something, right? This is exactly what K.J. Wright did when he came back, and it was the game, uh, I think, against Dallas. Yes, it was Dallas. Yep, when uh, they broke free, got a touchdown, and K.J. Wright was just a little bit late catching up to that because he was helping out for a broken play that he wasn't responsible for. Yep. Uh, didn't get there in time, and then when they played Dallas again, um, he got that pick because it was the same play. Yeah, Actually, it was, it was the Chiefs. It was Arizona. Yep, yep. It was the Arizona, Arizona game. Arizona. And Akeem King stepped down on it, yep. and they got that wide open touchdown. Yep, Dallas comes back, and he recognizes the situation. Uh, yeah, incredible play. Yeah, right? and it and, underscores the importance of those veteran players. Yes, for sure. And you know that's what Justin Coleman brought was the ability to one recognize plays, two. Uh, the ability to recover, right? And that's something that you're going to have to be able to do when you're a nickel corner because you are facing these crafty slot uh, receivers that know how to create space and get open. But as a nickel, are you able to get beat and recover and finish on the ball? And he did a fantastic job of that. So that's a that's going to be one that they really, really miss. And the other one that I think is sneakily that people don't really realize is Mike Davis yep. was a huge value to this team. Mike Davis... Uh, in a year where you had a first-round pick in Rashad Penny, came in and won the backup job to Chris Carson because he was so he was a stabilizing force. He was a guy that came in and ran extremely hard, got productive yards, uh, played within the system. But then he also knew protections. He knew uh, where he needed to be in, and. In protection schemes and also in the passing game, and was a was a reliable pass catching running back, and he he was able to come in and find value also in the two minute drives. Uh, there was a lot of good that Mike Davis did for this team that I think a lot of people really undervalue because of the season that Chris Carson had, and also people looking at Rashad Penny going, "Well, he's our first round pick; he needs to step up." And this loss of Mike Davis will be felt. If Rashad Penny does not step his game up from year one to year two, and to me, Stacy, that is the biggest question. That is the biggest concern that I have: is Rashad Penny doing just that? How confident are you that he can do that? Ah, uh, I, I, here's the thing: I don't know him personally, and I, I think that he was a really productive player in San, at San Diego State. But any time that you you're dealing with a player that goes through injury and then has a weight problem. To me, that's cause for concern. That's a guy that then isn't necessarily taking his job seriously. And when I'm hearing that he isn't great in protection, that he isn't great as a pass catcher, those can be rookie mistakes. But eventually, you've got to figure it out. And I'm, I'm, you know, it was one of those things that I don't. He didn't really figure out until maybe later on in the season, if he ever did. And those are the things that I hope that he is motivated 
to improve upon last year and really show that he can be a featured running back in this offense. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I, I might have a little more hope in part because I'm just a bit more sympathetic toward younger players. Yeah. Uh, I think of like a David Moore who admitted himself he really struggled that first year. Um, but I, I agree at least that I think most the consensus would be that Rashad Penny was the biggest question mark uh, maybe a disappointment for most fans coming out of this year. Right. If you're not a first round pick as a running back, and then and you're, you, you know, yeah, it's hey, on your own pace. You're 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 a rookie. You're trying to figure it out, but you are a first freaking round pick at a, as a running back, and with that comes expectations in my mind, and and so. Uh, he didn't live up to that billing. He had great moments. He had great flashes, uh, and, but he wasn't consistent. And it really took him a while to figure out who he was as a player in this league and be confident in what he was seeing and, and finishing and, and hitting the hole hard. And he never has done that in a, on a consistent basis yet. So if if this if Rashad Penny can step it up, and become the runner that we believe and that the Seahawks believe, then, man, that is going to be one heck of a two-headed monster in Chris Mm -hmm. Carson and Rashad Penny. If not, if Rashad does not step up to the plate, Mike Davis's um, uh, absence is going to be felt because you're not going to have that stabilizing force in pass protection in the passing game that then you can go, hey, um, come off the bench for us. Rashad isn't in this game right now. Uh, you need to you need to bail us out on this one. Well, and, they just don't have a similar back, too, right? Correct. Because Mike Davis was like that power back. I mean, he wasn't the biggest guy, mm-hmm. but I mean, he was a good third down power back guy. Like, um, you think of who they have. So if Chris Carson is injured, say, yes. uh, and Mike Davis's first career 100 yard game was in a game where he was the starter in place of Chris Carson, if if Rashad Penny can't step up, you're looking at a running back group that right now, and I know they're going to pick up other guys and it's going to be an open competition, but right now you've got J.D. McKissick, uh, mm-hmm. C.J. Procise. Right. And, I mean, these are guys that um, McKissick's very talented, especially in the passing game, super fast guy. Right. But th- that isn't necessarily their strength. Right. He, he Well, J.D. McKissick is not a real running back in that sense. He is a mismatch running back. Right that they want to utilize in the past game and maybe be a change-up guy here or there carrying the ball. He is not going to consistently carry the ball, carry it even close to five to ten times in a game. Uh, and C.J. Procise, we all know that story, extremely talented, but hasn't put it together and, and I don't think ever will because he hasn't put in that work or that dedication. Um, and and so that one's interesting. But when you look at the last one in Shamar Stefan. Shamar is a guy that isn't necessarily like the most talented guy. It's not like a, you know, when you see it, you're like, man, how did we lose out on this dude? Right. But when you're lacking depth at at, de- at the defensive tackle position and defensive line in general, he was a good contributor for us. And and so you're hoping that you can replace him, uh, you know, and hopefully get a good value guy either through the draft or in free agency. But again, it still leaves you wondering what that what that's going to do to the defensive line position that's lacking depth already. I think the defensive line is the position group I'm most curious about heading into this year for sure. Yeah. All right. Coming up next, we've got big if true. What happens if the Seahawks lose DJ Fluker and Jr. Sweezy? Don't do it to me. It might happen. Seattle Sports at Night with Stacey Ross and Jake Heaps. 
You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacy Rost. I gave up on the nickname. Oh, you did? I okay. I was I was waiting for what you were going to say next. No. He's Jake Heaps, the quarterback. <laughs> Now you're saying it all angry. Like I, I'm just, I'm not angry. I'm resentful and bitter. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. They're yeah. different. I, I didn't come up with this. This was Curtis. Curtis is the one that started right. this. You can get on him uh, tomorrow for that. That's fine. Coming up next, we're going to answer your questions and ask us anything. You can ask us anything you want. We will probably answer it i'm not making promises yeah i mean it's uh, crazy yeah keep it keep it in reason but yeah we'll probably we'll probably answer it yeah uh text the Coors light text line at 710 710 uh, and that's coming up at 8 45 and you can listen to our show via the 710 sports app driven by your puget sound acura dealers do you have the app stacy do i have the app yeah, yeah do you yeah of course I, I mean i wouldn't go anywhere without it i, I mean know. it's like part of my every day no i really do have it yeah it's really useful no seriously i do too <laughs> okay and it is really part of my everyday. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad. And I want you to know, too, I'm making a lot of sacrifices just tonight. R- really? Why? Um, well, probably the biggest sacrifice. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I, you don't. This is, this is bad. How could I ever I, say that to you? It's The Bachelor. I'm I missing why. part one of The Bachelor finale. I'm sorry. Is I, Colton going to chase after Cassie? Is he going to have to tell Hannah G that he's just not into it? What's happening with Tasia? How's she going <laughs> to feel? She's been pretty nice through the whole thing. I don't know. It's it, it honestly crazy, right? So here's the thing. You're probably going to be disgusted at this, but uh, Brooke, my wife, she watches it, and but she checks in with Reality Steve every season. I'm not disgusted. I respect it. Okay. So her reasoning behind this is that it's because she wants to watch the little subtle things because they don't always give like the person that ends up mm-hmm. that they end up with. They don't always start at the beginning like yep. showing the the you know. Uh, featuring them from the get-go, but they'll you know sprinkle little things in there. So she looks for that, tries to focus on how their relationship. No, that's true. Sometimes it's the dark horse, or sometimes it's just the crazy ones. Yeah, get all the spotlight first, but he ends up or she ends up choosing a normal person. Correct. And when you're a normal person, you aren't the star of a reality show. That's, yes, that's specifically reserved for crazy people. Correct. That's her reasoning behind it, but also she hates surprises. So like this whole thing would just. Dr- Blow her She's a lot of right anxiety now. right now. Exactly. Do you guys watch it together? We do from time to time. Yeah. Okay. Now, now she's kind of like her sister used to be uh, out of town. Now she lives, you know, locally. So they they watch it together all the time, and I'll watch Jackson for her while while she goes and watches it. So I don't you guys watch don't it. Get upset as much. if you don't watch it together. Yeah, I I don't get angry. You know, I'm not as invested. There's no TV cheating. I'm not as invested. Correct. There's no TV cheating. There are some shows that absolutely you cannot. Watch that without. What are the? It's like the one where you're like, I can't watch it because it's on the DVR and it's going to have the little check that says watched. Correct. And then I need to find another recording of it so that I can delete that one and replace it with that one. (laughs) Record that one instead. See, it gets into a deep dark lie. It gets into a dark place. That's right. And so we we have some you know staples, some you know Grey's Anatomy, The Resident. uh, Let's see, what are some other ones? Uh, This is Us. Uh, there, there's a couple other ones that, you know, we've watched together that, that you cannot watch yeah. without each other. We do a couple of those. We do the big ones, right? Like yeah. we do Game of Thrones. Okay. So you aren't like too super committed, like yeah. true detective. Uh, and we're big Real Housewives Real, house. Yes. So I, you have to watch it all together. Yeah. There's a lot of discussion to be had. Yes, I'm sure there is. I just, Stacey, I'm sorry. It's just the one thing that I cannot get on That's board okay. with. 
Well, either way, neither of us are watching anything tonight. Instead, we're here talking about a very busy day of non-free agency. I don't know. Tampering period. It's a legal tampering period. A legal tampering period uh, where we saw a lot of maybe action. That's right. Potentially. So weird. I know. Uh, we've already got the departure of Justin Coleman, Mike Davis, Shamar Stefan, which we talked about last segment. Um, but now we're going to get into some guys uh, that, that haven't been connected to a team yet. But uh, in tonight's uh, Big If True, we're going to talk about uh, whether the Seahawks can retain their big name free agents and what happens if they don't. This can't be happening. Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious. Tonight's Big If True comes from a debate. Mm. Really a report, right? I'm not starting fake news here and That's making right. up a story, but but uh, we're anticipating uh, some news to come for some of these big-name Seahawks free agents like K.J. Wright, D.J. Fluker, and J.R. Sweezy. So my question is, what happens if the Seahawks lose all three of them? Yeah, I, I don't want to go into that deep, dark place, but if you're making me... It is a dark place. Okay, if you're making me, uh, I, I think it says a lot about where the Seahawks are as a franchise and the fact that they are basically gearing up for Russell Wilson's contract and also Bobby Wagner and you have to think about Frank Clark and Jaron Reed as well. You know, what are they going to do with Frank? Are they going to actually sign him to a multi-year deal or not? Are they going to um, then try and trade him? Are they going to sign Jaron Reed? Because honestly, Jaron Reed is kind of in a similar boat. Jaron Reed is going to be one of the top defensive tackles if he continues mm-hmm. to have, if he builds upon the year he had last year, he will be one of the highest paid defensive tackles in the National Football League, without question. And so they have to prepare for those. And what does that look like? So now you have to now you have to adjust. If you're going to pay those guys, you have to adjust and get lower market value type of players and try and hit with those either through the draft or free agency. Now, the thing though is is that KJ Wright, you can understand where the Seahawks are in those contract discussions. Yeah, to me, it's two different conversations. It's a conversation about K.J. Wright and then the two guards. Yes. So let's start with K.J. Wright. Let's do it. Okay. Now, where are you at with K.J. Wright in terms of him going, leaving? How do you feel about it? Um, Does it make sense? Like, where are you at with that? I'm anticipating that K.J. Wright will sign elsewhere. Okay. Uh, I think that he is still a player that can command a really good contract. Mm -hmm. Um, He's only 30 years old. I know that for a lot of people, they they hear the three in front of a football player's number and they think, (laughs) oh, no. Um, But it's a position where you can still play for a couple years. And um, before his knee injury, I I think he missed maybe one or two games in his career. Yeah. Um, So he has otherwise a pretty sturdy health profile. And um, I think that that's what teams are going to be looking at. They're going to be looking for what he's done for this team. And they're going to be looking for that final game he had where he had uh, his first interception of the season and his best performance of the season. Yeah. Um, So... I think that, combined with the fact that the Seahawks haven't made a move at all, okay. tells me that they aren't going to. Yeah, I think all signs point to K.J. Wright leaving, and I think really who they're banking on is Michael Kendricks. Is the fact that Michael Kendricks is not going to serve serious jail time or you know that he will be around when training camp starts. And 
they are looking at him, thinking that he can be that that high quality player on a one year contract that can be of lesser, you know, that's going to be signed uh, of less value. And to me, that scares me because that's an unknown. You just simply do not know where Michael Kendricks is going to be at in terms of his his legal situation. That's my thing. Like, what if in April the sentence is longer than you're expecting? And by the way, he's sentenced in April, which is a month before OTAs. Yes. So you have no idea what's happening. Correct. And you're adjusting after that and you're letting a all pro linebacker in KJ Wright in one of the staples of this defense for a long time who has gone about his business the absolute right way Mm -hmm. and to me that's the hardest one is how are you not to me that's this is not a family this is a business type of situation if you're not gonna pay kj right then it's a bit it's a business one of the nicest guys right yeah one of the most genuine nicest guys hardest workers around smart great team guy right and and so the only thing the only way that the seahawks can keep kj right is if his market if there's all 32 teams are thinking the same exact way is that KJ Wright does not command high top market value because of injury concern based off of last year. It's not his play. His play is all pro level yeah. when he's healthy on the field. Yep. But can he be on the field? Is last year a precursor to him basically kind of uh, being injury ridden every year and missing you know a significant amount of time each season? Um, that that's the only way if teams value that or see that, then he will be at a lower market deal. And that's how they retain KJ Wright. And I just, I don't know. I think there's a team that's willing to make that bet, um, and pay him, uh, what he is valued. at. I agree. I think seeing the deals for Anthony Barr and Quan Alexander, you think there are teams out there that are willing to shell out and he is, uh, I mean, a top-tier linebacker, outside linebacker. Yes. And and there's a team somewhere that needs that. And I think, like you said, the Seahawks feel like um, if they don't have an answer with Michael Kendricks, then then uh, Bobby Wagner is good enough that they can play with without just kind of a, a regular starter right. at, at one of their outside which, linebacker spots. Which they would be wrong for. Yes, no, sim- for sure. To, you know, that, and that's the hard I part. I mean, it was a rotating cast all year, and I think they, yes. you know, I, I don't think they think this. I think they would love to have uh, K.J. Wright at an affordable price, or they would love for Michael Kendricks to uh, have his sentencing be v- reduced and be able to be there for training camp. I think these would be ideal situations. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But, yeah, that and and it may or may not work out, but they cannot get to the situation where it comes to an Austin Cleetro again or mm-hmm. a Shaquem Griffin. Shaquem Griffin just simply is not uh, ready to be there yet. If he ever will be, to, to me, Shaquem Griffin's you know uh, where his value is is on special teams, and I, I you know until he proves it, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a a legitimate starting outside linebacker for the Seahawks, um, and so. that part of it will be interesting to see what happens because the Will linebacker position is sneakily one of the most important positions in that defense. To me, let's let's move on to the guards because to me this is one where I genuinely don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think my feelings have gone into a place of more uncertainty. So I think that um, with J.R. Sweezy coming back to this team, uh, having a a Pro Bowl year mm-hmm. or res- alternate year, um, 
And with DJ Fluker's just energy and excitement about the team and his connection with Mike Solari, in my mind, yeah. everyone forgets it's a business. <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, of course they want to stay. Yeah. Right? It doesn't matter what they get from other teams. Um, but that's not necessarily true. And what I wonder is, uh, is this team, what's the difference in the caliber of this offensive line with without either of those players mm-hmm. or with just one of those players? I, I don't think, and here's the thing, is you don't know how they're going to replace them, right? If they lose out on both of them, you don't know how they're going to replace them. Do they go with a younger guy? Uh, do they go with a more proven player? If they try to, And up- they did tender Jordan Simmons. Yes, they did tender Jordan Simmons, which was great. But mm-hmm. to me, Jordan Simmons, you can't count on Jordan Simmons. You cannot tell me with confidence we are going to keep J.R. Sweezy, but we're going to let D.J. Fluker walk, and Jordan Simmons is going to be our starting right guard. Right. To me, that is scary uh, in, in every way. Not because I don't think he has the capability of being good, a good player and a good addition but to the team. But it's a big gamble. It's a huge gamble because you're investing and counting on a guy who has never, never, Stacy, in college and also in the National Football League stayed healthy for an entire season. Well, and you're counting on these guys in this line to protect a quarterback that you're potentially shelling out 32 plus million dollars a year for. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to protect him. You saw what this group looked like uh, versus the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. And if they are not able to protect Russell Wilson at a even adequate level, then you're not going to be able to function. And you ha- and and I think this year more than ever solidified the fact that a guy like Jair Sweezy, a guy like DJ Fluker, who bring a ton of nastiness and, and effort mm-hmm. and energy uh, and physicality, really are important staples to this group. People were talking about the running backs and all oh, the running backs and this and that. Now it's musical chairs, but the offensive line was finally solidified. Uh, and I think Jair Sweezy and DJ Fluker had a huge reason for that, along with Mike Solari and, and and Brian Schottenheimer doing a great job game planning and all that all those kinds of things in the run game. But without those guys, you lose that identity. And so I believe that those guys are are, are massive pieces to this group that you can't lose out on. Um and, and quite frankly, Stacy, they're not going to be expensive. I will be shocked if either one of those guys gets over three million dollars in their contract. It when J.R. Sweezy was at his his peak, at his peak, and when he got his contract with the Bucks, he was around five point four million dollars, and and you know DJ Fluker, uh, you know both of them signed for like a one point five million dollar deal this year, give or take, and double that, right? Three million dollars, okay? Uh, I I believe that those guys are in the range of two to three million dollars at most, and their cap is four. And and so to me, three million dollars, you can afford to keep both of those guys at that price range. Coming up, we're going to answer your questions and ask us anything, anything you want, any question at all. Bring it on. How's Game of Thrones going to end, Stacy? <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast today, Jake? What hmm. did you have for breakfast today? Uh, I don't know. That, let's see. Oh, actually, I do know. I had one of Jackson's. Uh, he's got these amazing um Bars like they're like these little protein bars, and uh, are they kids' cliff bars? 
No, they're not kids. Oh, because I can put away like eight of those. Something like they're something along those lines. They're like Z. They're called Z bars. Yeah. Yes, they are phenomenal, and I end up always stealing those. So I, that's what I have for breakfast. All right. Good to know. Good to know. You can text that. <laughs> well, you can't text that one anymore. I spoiled it for you, but that's you right. can ask us any other question. Text the Coors Light text line at seven ten seven ten for Ask Us Anything. That's coming up next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Stacy Rost. He's Jake Heaps. And we're here to answer your questions. Ask us anything. That's right. Anything you want on the Coors text line, Coors Light text line at 710 710. Uh, first, this is from the 206. I've decided to be the designated uh, question reader, by okay. the way. Okay, I'm not mad at that. Okay, good. I'm not mad. You're not like, going to get an argument from me. All right, from the 206. What is your favorite play in any sport of all time? This now, is such a good question. I could take the whole segment. Yes, this is this is a fantastic question. Are you are you ready to get the most quarterback answer of all time? Yeah, because mine's going to be the most non-quarterback answer of all okay. time. It's right. going to sound really dumb in comparison. Okay, the 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 biggest quarterback answer of all time is all goes, all verticals. Like I want to I want to go deep. Yeah, this is a very Oh, okay. Let's so let's hear the play. Okay, so all right, the the play, you want the Just think of is there a specific play, or can you think of like, okay, maybe this is like top ten, maybe not number one, but I'm thinking of it right now. Okay. Or is there a number one? Um. I, well, I think it's gun spread right to Jet Aggie. Like totally. You know that yeah, right there. Same. I mean, you know exactly what I'm saying, right? I absolutely do. Okay. All right. So I mean, it's very simple. I mean, you got a two by two formation. You're mm-hmm. getting two jet protections, six man mm-hmm. protection. Uh, running backs got. Mike to Sam on the right side. Okay, I know the and basics. The, and the line has will to weak force. Okay, okay. Okay, so you're just making sure you got yourself protected. And then, you know, your outside guys just simply run and goes, trying to win. And then, and then you know, the inside guys are reading if it's middle of the field open, middle of the field closed, one high, two high safeties. And they're working it based off that. And yeah. you're just, you know, and finally a nickel got the, for every time. That's right. Then you got the back run to check down. It's, it's the best play ever. I'm... I'm you so not glad. No, I totally get it. Yeah. And I think that um that that's a very uh easy to understand and digest answer. That's Perfect. Fine. All right. This is from the five oh nine. How big of plans do you make for St. Patrick's Day? Are you a big St. Patrick's Day person? No, St. Patrick's St. Patrick's Day is probably the most frustrating day. There is out of oh, all the holidays. That's personal. Even New Year's, I hate New Year's. You hate New Year's? No, no, no. So it, it's one of those days that you can very easily forget, right? And then yeah. you show up. Like I remember showing up to school, and all of a sudden I'm getting oh, pinched. I see and, where this comes from. And it's from. like, why are you pinching me? Oh, well, you're not green, green. And it's like you are so annoying. Like, okay. why are you picking on me? I I didn't wear green. So what? Get off my back. It doesn't mean I deserve to get pinched all day long. It literally was the most frustrating day ever because I never remembered it was St. Patrick's Day. I remember one time I because our our and you would think that I would be good because our high school colors were green. Skyline Spartans, we were, we were green. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that day never on that day. Never on that day did I wear green. It only Oof. happened to me one time and I was finally like Oh, thank goodness. Suck it. Yeah, exactly. This is clearly coming from a place of pain. Yeah, it is. This is, this is a wound that goes deep. It's yeah, not what I was expecting. Really I was expecting does. like, yeah, corned beef is just really gross. I'm not a fan. <laughs> no, 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 um, no, no. I don't no, like no. green beer. But no, this is, this is, look, I went through years of torture. Exactly. That's, but you came out better for it, I that's think. That's my experience. No, I just, 
hide and I'm okay. afraid of yeah. St. Patrick's Day. That's fair. Yes. I think that's a good way to cope is to just kind of hide. Yeah. From the 425, what's the worst? Well, they said worst customer service experience. So I think they mean what's the worst customer service experience you've had. I think that could be either way. Um, I've actually got a really funny one and it's n- not me. So this is funny to me. To them, it wasn't funny at all. But probably not a good idea if you're a waiter or a waitress to just kind of food shame people. And what I mean Ooh. by that is if you order a lot, you should probably keep it to yourself if you think that's a lot of food. Most people, most waiters that I've come across, if they perceive that you're ordering food, they just think like you don't you don't know how much food you're ordering. It's like... That's a lot of food. Are you sure you want that? It's like, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'm ordering it. Yes, I do. do you have I'm at Applebee's. Like, this is a 10-page menu with pictures. I know what it looks yes. like. Yes. So so anyways, they had they had an experience like that where they they were they were going out to one of their favorite restaurants and they uh they ordered the appetizer and and they ordered like two or three of them. And they were just going big. And and they and she was like, oh my gosh. The wait the waitress was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of food. Like, are you sure you want are that? Are you sure? Are you, you sure? Want and that? they're like, well, yeah, we do. You know, first time it's like, okay, that's kind of rude, but yeah, sure, all right, yeah, we do want that. Then she comes around and says, do you do you want to order your meals? Because that's a lot of food that you just ordered. They're like, yes, we want our meal. Are these like, what's this group size? Who are these yeah, people? What just is two? Two guys. Just no, no, no. Uh, a, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. Okay. So just, you know, a married couple going out. Yep. And so, yeah, they want to order food. Okay. Then what they order is kind of bigger, right? Are you sure that's a lot of food? I don't know if you're going to want that, especially after your appetizer. Yes. Order the freaking food, right? Is so, the kitchen working on rations right now? I don't know. So later on, so now they are going through their appetizers and the their their food it's taken a long time to come out and they're like what's going on and now you know it's they're they're done with their appetizers and it's you know kind of like you know an awkward ten minutes after that and the wait and they're like where's our entree and she's like oh well I I didn't put put it in because I just figured it was too much food what and they they were like okay this the is opposite of out your of control. job like you are you first off. They're ordering a ton of food, paying money. Like you are telling them Who not cares? to pay money, right? Yeah. It's unbelievable. So they ended up. So it, anyways, turned this whole big thing. It was horrible. It was a disaster. But the the restaurant ended up, you know, comping their meal and giving them a gift card and the whole deal. Like it was horrible. Just let people order their food. And guess what? It's to go. They can get it to go. They can box it up and eat it later. Are you going to say which restaurant this was? No. Okay. No, I'm not when we're throw done, I'm going to ask. Okay. Okay. Yes. Next question uh, related from the 425 What's the grossest food you've tried but actually liked? <laughs> actually, this came down to it. So, Stacey, you'll be proud of me. Okay. After the whole sauce salsa debacle, <gasps> right? I had I had a friend who's actually a really really good really good cook and um, I wish you guys could see my face. I'm putting my hands over my heart. He brought me some salsa and said, "If you don't, if I want you to try this, and if you don't like it, then you just simply don't like salsa." Right. So I brought it home. Uh, my wife and my son love salsa. Like two, my two and a half year old son just loves salsa. Spicy, not spicy, just loves it. So you know they were eating it and they were like, "You got to try it." So I tried it. Lo and behold, it, it's not bad. It's pretty it's good. not bad? Yeah. Dude, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank Truly. you. Overcame my fears. 
I don't know if this will apply to you. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you have any friends with the same name as you? Oh, gosh. I never... Do you know any other Jakes? No, I don't. I mean, I. it's so hard to come by Jakes these days. Uh, UW's running low. Yeah, UW's running low. Unfortunately, I work with a lot of Jakes, and I have friends that are Jakes, and, you know... Um, it's uh, it always is surprising when I come across to Jake, but it's it's a good surprise. It's like, oh hey, Jake, what's up, man? Have you ever let good? someone call you by the wrong name because you didn't want to tell them otherwise because you thought you became friends? No. Oh, I've never let that happen. Me neither. <laughs> no, I did that with a barista that I go to. We're really tight. I yeah. can't tell her my name is Stacy. She calls me Tracy. We're really cool. Oh, it's no. Been a year. I've never corrected Stacey, her. Stacy, that's terrible. No, I'm you, sorry. And one day they're gonna find out, and they're no, gonna, she won't. They are gonna feel. Awful. Nope, because about I always themselves. use my app and it's on my phone, and never my card, because now it's going to be awkward. Now it's going to be too awkward. Now I'm the it weird one. It is going to be awkward. You are the weird one. Uh, Correct her. Set I think it I found my new nickname. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, you can check out the podcast on 710sports.com. We're also on iTunes, and we'll be on tomorrow again. This is Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.